<laughs> I wanted to get away for the weekend. No way I'm trusting my podcast. You've seen it, right? So I decided to be smart about it. I shop around, and not only is the MEP report nearby, but they have the best podcast with the most beautiful emu you've ever seen. And smart starting to feel real good. The MEP report guy says, We'll put the top down for you, and it's all yours. And I say, That's how I'm going to play it all weekend. Do you know how hard it was to stop listening to the MEP report? Do you know how easy it's going to be to do that weekend all over again? The smart money is on the MEP report. Let my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for All right, in that case, welcome to Mep Report number 88, August 23rd, 2000. And seven in the year of our Lord and Odomine, etc., etc., etc. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Everyone's like, is Hello, it just Greg Scott. doing it himself? It's a solo MEP report with Greg. And Greg is doing it by just himself. Me. <laughs> oh, I'm a mapper still. Now I must laugh at myself. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. So what's going on, everybody out there? We uh, want to thank everyone for listening, as always, and checking in and seeing what's going on. I don't know whether anyone has got anything special um, set up, but I did want to ask Russ a question about his experience at the baseball game before bringing up a couple things I wanted to mention. But Russ went to the Angels game in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in the world of California on the West Coast in the Pacific Time Zone, Angels, and uh, got to see his beloved Yankees defeat the Angels. And I wanted to ask Russ, how your experience affected the Yankees team. Did you notice, did they, did they seem to have a little more spring in their step when you arrived at the ballpark? Did they, did they seem to have, as if almost like Willis Reed for the Knicks walking in in the 1970s and sort of firing up his team, did you have that impact on them when you went to the stadium? Well, all I can say is that I didn't get there until the fifth inning, which was exactly <laughs> when the 1-1 game. Nice, you're just like an L.A. fan. Congratulations. That's... That's when the 1-1 game became a 7-1 game, right after I got there. So, yes, I think I had a dramatically positive impact on the Yankees because they're like, oh, my God, Russ is here. We better play way better than this. Player, player, base hit, double, home run, home run. (laughs) Why did you you not get there until the fifth inning? I didn't realize. I thought there were just four late innings in a baseball game. I I didn't realize that there was this whole beginning portion where things happened for, like, two hours. (laughs) No, actually, first of all, this was a very, like, impromptu decision to go to this game. I did it on Monday. When I knew the three-game series was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like, okay, you know what? I never do anything like this. I never do anything impulsive. I really want to go. It's the last time the Yankees are going to be in California Wait, I'm this sorry. year. Did you just say you never playoffs. do anything impulsive? Is that what you just said? I never do anything impulsive that is also expensive. I do okay. lots of free <laughs> things that are impulsive. Okay, right, good. 
just want to make sure it's clear. If it's free, I'll jump off your roof. I don't care. But if I have to pay money, that's a different story. Okay. I also um, think it's kind of funny that when he, he defines impulsive as, so on Monday, I decided that on Wednesday... Like that's just crazy. Wow. <laughs> that's wild. Well, you like, decided okay, something two days early? Mind, <laughs> the game had been sold out for weeks, right? It wasn't like this was good preparation by me. It was like, I think I'll see if there are tickets to this game that everyone in the world wants to go to two days from now. It's like trying to go to a Bon Jovi concert, you know, the Monday before the Wednesday. It's like not, not easy to do. That's all I'm saying. Right. So Ticketmaster was sold out. Obviously, the actual tickets were all sold out. What about um, StubHub? My, um, I went to StubHub because it had been mashed into my brain by constant repetition on sports radio. StubHub, 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 like StubHub, 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 StubHub. That's their commercial. Right. So they do that, including the They did that, yeah. Something tells me StubHub. So I went to StubHub and they had tickets and they were quite expensive. More, this is like I would never spend this much money on anything. But it was just I was just in this particular mood. I'm like I'm gonna get myself a birthday present. It's something I want to do. I just have to not think about how much it is. And so I bought two good tickets. I didn't buy like I'm going to sit in the upper deck and pretend that I was at the game. Like right. I got tickets like on the first base side where the Yankees are, cool. like right up the line, but closer than the foul pole, so it was like perfect foul ball territory. Fantastic seats. So, but before I made this commitment, I'm like, who, you know, deserves the honor of going to this thing with me? <laughs> and the criteria are, A, they have to be somebody I know and a friend of mine. B, they have to care. And C, failing caring, they can't be there rooting against the Yankees. Like, that would be the worst possible scenario. Right. And so you chose Dick and Cheney. it turns out, I did, because he's from Wyoming and he doesn't root for anybody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, I just I never thought about this before, but like all of my friends that are out here don't like baseball. All of my friends everywhere else in the Another world reason like to come baseball, back. but all of my friends right, yeah. in Los Angeles could care about could care less. They're just baseball. What? So I knew I wouldn't care about baseball, and probably had to spend time with his girlfriend or something, and would not want to be part of a confrontational atmosphere, knowing that I was specifically going there with right. the intent of annoying people who normally go to this game. Cause that's not the that other your thing. reputation is precedes that? you, Russ, on this score. Not that everyone exactly. knows that this like, is what happens. <laughs> we've mapped about this before. I basically consider myself to be like a professional heckler. Like, if there were a heckling <laughs> league, I would be, like, top-tier, you know, major league heckler. So, that being the case, I wanted somebody who would be able to tolerate this side of me that I very right. rarely show. Sure. So, I went out with this girl uh, last week, and which it was very awkward. Like the date was fine, but then the, as a second date, I'm like, "Well, we just met for coffee for ten minutes. How about now you drive out with me to Anaheim and we spend seven hours together in an inescapable foreign land?" I'm like, "You know, that's probably not the best idea ever." Nice. So she politely declined, and I was like, "Yeah, you should decline. Good, good declining. Well done there, because that was a silly request by me. Plus, she wasn't into baseball." So, as, you know, marquee an event as it was, as exciting a thing as it was, to a non-baseball fan, they don't really get it. Sure. So, I ended up going with our Russian friend, Gina, the girl who I told you about. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Who proposed to me a month ago. And yes. she was, like, the perfect person to go with. Because, A, you know, she's fun. She's impetuous, and not impetuous, but I guess impulsive-ish, where she'll, like, Ish. do, you know, things on the fly. And see, she could not be embarrassed if I went to the game naked. Like, she does not have the embarrassment gene in her body, which is wonderful. 
And I even got her to be like um, a whatchamacallit, a turnip. No, that's not the word. Yeah, uh, I, I successfully I, made her into an eggplant. <laughs> what? I... Doesn't make any sense. Oh, What's another heckler, another fan. I was fan? trying to think of the word. Oh, okay. A surrogate Yankee fan. Okay, I got her okay. to be a surrogate Yankee fan. So I dressed an her up honorary, in all my Yankee An honorary, an honorary Yankee fan. I dressed her up in yeah, all my Yankee awesome, apparel. Like, well, she she actually requested a Yankee hat, so I brought a Yankee hat, and I also brought this joke T-shirt that I have mm-hmm. that has like an NY on the front and like Hebraic font, and on the back <laughs> it says Jews for Jeter. It's like my favorite <laughs> T-shirt ever. Oh, That's tremendous. Goodness. Wow. She wore it, yeah, to the game. Immediately, like, when we went into the stadium and sat down, we noticed that these, this father and son were in our seats, but there were two empty seats next to it, so I didn't want to make trouble. I just sat in the empty seats. But then when the actual Angel fan guy showed up, who we were sitting in his seats, the first thing he says is, Hey, Jews for Jeter, you mind? And I'm like, oh, God. Okay, sorry. And Very then nice. everybody turned around, because they're like, since when do we call Yankee fans Jews for Jeter? What is this new anti-Semitic, like... <laughs> heckling that's going on. I'm like, no, no, it's fine. The t-shirt says it. It's totally fine. Everyone calm down. And they're like, oh, okay. You should have gone with it. You should have been like, I can't believe you did this, you anti-Semitic you bastard. son of a bitch. In the name <laughs> of Israel you? and all Zion. We did, you know, awesome. And points to you for creativity, but shame, sir. How dare you say Jews for Jeter. See, the problem I have with things like that. With that? The but things shame. like that happen at these games all the time, but the problem is if you watch it on TV, all they have is, oh, it looks like that. Like, even if it gets really bad, like if the entire bleacher section broke out into a riot, they might be like, it looks like there's a disturbance in the lower bleachers. When you're there in the middle of it, though, it's a lot different. Like, Clee and I, when we went to a Red Sox game a few years ago, there was this guy in front of us who was, like, incredibly drunk and said that he was a lawyer, so he kept yelling at the guy in front of us. He's like, oye, oye, you throw the ball, because like, we're in right back of the bullpen so, and then like one point like the backup catcher like kicked the wall he's like kick the wall that's right oh yay oh yay now that's cool stuff but if you just saw it on tv it's like it sounds like no one's gonna be like it looks like some guy saying oh yay oh yay by the bullpen <laughs> like you, this all gets missed mm-hmm. when you're not at the game you know so well, that's what i'm saying that's why i prefer true. baseball live than watching it on television because it's kind of the experience it is no question about that okay so you did that she arrived Absolutely. and uh so you moved like, over and you home? kicked out those people out of your seat? Yeah. We kicked out they moved yeah, they moved the row back to some more empty seats because they were totally um whatchamacallits. Um I'm not good with turnips. They were turnips. Take me a they were all turnips. Yes, they were both turnips, thank you. <laughs> they were carpet baggers. Carpet baggers. See I'm trying to come up with all of these carpet baggers. <laughs> they were they were in fact they were like Senator McGreevy, these seats will do just as well. <laughs> yes. You have settled in section 131. You're clearly a native of 495 in the bleachers where nobody's seen you. No, 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 no. no, residency here. No nonsense. (laughs) Lose the ticket. Anyway. And there were an inordinate amount of Yankee fans at this game, which was extremely surprising and exciting. And then I sort of realized that given what we've already said about Angel fans, that they don't really care and they're not real fans, wouldn't they give up their tickets for a premium like the one day that they're like, you want to buy my baseball tickets? Why would you want baseball tickets for money? And then the Yankee fans are like, yes, sell us your baseball. Okay, I'll take your money. And so (laughs) the Yankee fans bought the tickets for this game because the Angel fans didn't care. So huge section of Yankee fans screaming, hollering, drunken, wonderful Yankee fans. And so... We were really getting into it with the Angel fans and being very creative, and I was pulling out my all of my token Yankee 
heckling, like when Hideki Matsui gets up, I start speaking or yelling in a heavy Japanese accent and be like, Go to Zero! Oh, free! Free of the team! Go to Zero! Approach! And then uh, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I see. And then all and, the people uh, around are like, Boy, Jews for Jeter guys really bigoted. It's a good thing we can't... Too bad we can't be anti-Semitic yes. or this, this would be so much hey, easier. Jews for Jeter! So, um, <laughs> let's see. What else happened in the game? Uh, there were a couple fights couple of uh, fights Good. broke out between the not-so-eloquent Angel fans and the boisterous and drunken Yankee fans, and they, a lot of people got kicked out. And it was awesome. Like, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> no, that's good. Gina enjoyed it. At one point, I, after a few beers, explained out loud the marketing thought process behind the Rally Monkey. I was like, hey, I wonder if there's some kind of gimmicky plush toy that we could come up with to help us care about baseball games. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. What should it be? I don't know. How about a lizard? No, something cuddly. People will want to buy it and then care about baseball. Well, how about something closer to people? You mean like a chimpanzee? Yeah, but smaller and cuter and less threatening to the fans. Okay, how about a monkey? Oh my god, a monkey! This will make people care and root for baseball! And I was doing that for like 20 minutes. I was like going the, doing the boardroom conversation of the Rally Monkeys Inception. Oh my god. Wow, oh, this is pretty funny. And they enjoyed that. Well, it's you know the and last then, time uh, you and I went to a baseball game it was when we went it was I think Clea you me I think Story and Nikki or that may not have been the same one but didn't we go to see a Seattle what? Yankee didn't we go I've to see a Red Sox to Seattle a baseball game with Nikki not maybe what well, was maybe you guys did I didn't go I don't think I don't think I, thought, I was there I thought I, I don't think I've ever sure. been to a baseball game with Russ I thought I went to a baseball game with Russ sure maybe not I maybe never, it was maybe was it was a Story there. maybe you were dreaming it Greg I was dreaming it I was like well, Story oh. is very similar to me. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Clearly, story is all about it's all about the same kinds of things. Uh, I see. Well, that's good. Well, well but again, why were you four call. hours late? Was it because it was yeah? What happened? You had to work and oh. it was too far away. Or oh, I forgot. Is that why I was telling the story? <laughs> right, you are. Turnip, um, Russ. Turnip. Is it turnip? Is the answer turnip? I just wanted to tangent. Turnip. Turn left. Turn right. <laughs> so. I was hitting the, what's the word, velocity, and then oh. <laughs> basically she had to get up. She is a litigator who has to work late, and I was like, we'll leave at 6. It'll be fine. We've got an hour. Not reading the fine print in the map quest thing where it's like, in traffic, takes two and a half hours, not 45 minutes to get there. And so, of course, uh -huh. we were driving in the middle of rush hour. So even leaving 10 to 6, like, there was no chance. And we kept calling StubHub. I was freaking out because, like, getting to the game late would be fine, but not being able to get the tickets because, like, StubHub closes down at some point, that was oh, freaking right. out. I was worried that we wouldn't be able to get in at all. But they were set up at, like, some inn, like, a couple blocks from the stadium because they're not affiliated with, like, some inn? will call. They can't. Well, it's a very, you sure like, this wasn't Joe StubHub? He's like, yes, I have tickets to the game. Just come to the Motel 6 right down the yes. road, and I'll be set up there. He's I'm actually the... from Belgium. His name is <laughs> Joe StubHub. Exactly. Nice. Yes, I'm Jacques Stubhub. Would you like to buy tickets? Are you a scalper? No, I'm in an inn. It's a perfectly fine establishment. My name is Stubhub. I don't know why that's a Belgium accent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, so do they normally so, wait like there like the whole game for people or something? Got nothing else to do? I guess they did. 
See, that, I was afraid that since they all work for StubHub, clearly they would all have their own tickets and, like, go to events right, right. after they sold the tickets to sell. That's what right. I was worried about. But, no, it was like we went in there, and there was some boardroom they'd, you know, rented out. And there was just a bunch of 20-year-old kids who obviously are making lots of money for this crazy, you know, off-the-books website, StubHub. <laughs> and uh, they, we got the tickets. Everything was fine. And I was like, wow, I should work for StubHub. They are awesome. Yeah. And yeah. they make crazy amounts of money doing very little. So that was well, cool. Is it possible a job? Are they in up. New York? Yeah, of course they are. There's yeah, a whole bunch it. of things out in New York. I think the, the main office is in San Francisco, but clearly they need to be everywhere where events are. So right. Right. They have so people there you everywhere. Go. And they, they, they do advertise mm-hmm. out here constantly. So. Well, that's, out here you have mm-hmm. like theaters in, the, in yeah. the, uh, the musicals and the opera scene, too. No, it's true. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so... Yeah, there was like a pitcher's duel for the first half of the game, so it went really fast. Like, I turned on the radio as we were driving. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the bottom of the second. We're not going to see the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was losing it. Uh, Gina was very patient with me, being that I was not a boyfriend or someone right. she really had to tolerate if she didn't want to. She could have just been like, turn the car around. You're an asshole. Let's go. Yep, like, no, exactly. I paid a million dollars and took a random person who doesn't like baseball. Please go to the game. Um, oh, well, but you know what? Actually, someone thing. that someone that isn't like a boyfriend, she... It's probably better this way because it's when you someone that you care about that that's when you like, can't. Stand I might have to, to stay with this guy who starts speaking in strange accents and yeah. going to Motel Sixes to get tickets. This is terrible. Yeah, the long-term influence. No question about that. That's true. She, yeah. it, maybe we were yeah. still new enough friends where she had to be polite during the sure. whole thing. Sure. Right. Maybe Absolutely. That was the case. No question. That's possible. So you were going to say the only um, thing that happened the other was highlight. Yeah. Yeah. The other highlight of the night was when Jabba Chamberlain inevitably came in the game. Because he does have rules for rest, but Joe Torre has figured out that as long as he's not, as long as he's well rested, he can be brought into any game. For and those so of you who Joe don't know Torrey baseball, to kill people's arms. Joba Chamberlain is a descendant yes. of a Native American god who happens to right now incarnate himself as a relief pitcher for the Yankees. So when he comes in, the Yankee fans sort of fall over in in ecstasies. I don't mean ecstasy like happiness. I mean like you know in the Native American ecstasy term where they kind of wriggle about and you know the they are, the great spirit yeah. infuses them with the power of things. That's who this guy is. Just well, so I'd know. like to see your reaction if you popped a peyote button before a reliever came into a game, Greg, because that's clearly the tradition. That <laughs> fastball, that fastball, 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 yes, yes, the great spirit. Yes, it's true. Was that Koyanis Katsi? Was that a reference to Koyanis Katsi? It was. The, old, it the was. way to do a reference okay, to Koyanis Katsi is to just sing the same thing over and over again for an hour and then, like, you know, speed everything up, like do all these kind of, you know, that's, awesome. that's the way you do it, yeah. I'm glad I picked up on that. So anyway, when Jabba came into the game and we stopped drooling, on ourselves, I did like an, uh, an extended quote from Return of the Jedi. I was like, the mighty Jabba requests the presence of the angels as they will be thrown into the pit of Sarlacc where they'll be slowly digested over a thousand years. Which everyone out in LA got. They're like, that's pretty funny. It's Hollywood. Yeah, people. some people looked at me like I was insane, but this guy sitting in front of us who was a Baltimore fan. He turned around and smiled. And that was, I, it was a very jovial, like, we were giving each other shit, but again, Angel fans just don't care enough to be angry. They just like, they're like, who are these crazy guys who care about baseball and really root and, like, <laughs> holler and yell? I don't, hey, they're funny. I look at them. They really care. And so, but what, what caused just, the fights then? What? I think it was the drunken guys in military fatigues who couldn't, you know, shout insults back at the Yankee fans. But for the most part, like, 99% of the people were just like, oh, buddy, buddy, you guys are crazy, crazy New Yorker Yankee people. You're crazy. And we're just like, 
yes, you suck. And they're like, oh, funny. We're like, no, die now. We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Yankee fans. Then you started, like, the other people got into fights. So you started yelling things that struck close to home. You're like, smog. You're like, stop saying that. Smog. Oh, smog. Son of a bitch. You know, and then you go after them, you know. <laughs> things that, like, really have an impact on them. In the restroom. After the game was over, when there's like a packed restroom, there are like 60 people in the men's restroom, and there are giant lines. There was one Yankee fan who was like, I want to thank you, everybody, for my trip to the OC. You know, I enjoyed my time here. We won this game, blah, blah. Yeah, Yankee fan, high five. And I was like, really? We're taunting people in the bathroom? This is what it's come to? Considering that the Angels won the first two games of this series, I find this taunting rather interesting. It's like, yeah, we won one out of three games it was all pent up after getting destroyed in the first two games I like, see, yes. finally can taunt them taunt gotcha. them <laughs> so, so this guy i was saying this guy was like hey i hope you washed your hands before you give out those high fives there buddy this is the men's room and he's like yeah okay oc and then when i was at the urinal and people were still taunting i was like and wait because the next time you play us you're gonna see the wanger uh, no pun intended. And they're like, ha, ha, because he's taking a piss and he's talking about the wanger. And everybody liked it. <laughs> good times, good times. Oh, my God. <laughs> I see. So it was a, it was a ringing on success. Out, one lady was fed up. And I saw her. She was like with a crowd of red-shirted people. And she was like, if I hear one more person say Yankee, blah, blah. And so, of course, she just walked right by me. So I was like, Yankees, Yankees. <laughs> What did she do? Did she like burst into flames? Like if I do this, I will turn into a turnip. She did. Her friend tried to help. He added suck every time I said Yankees. He was like, sucks. And I was like, good job there, buddy. You have foiled my attempt to say Yankees. Darn it. That's great. Well, congratulations. I'm glad it was a good time. I'm glad that you had a good time. It was fun. Uh, I was thinking about this because I've been looking at some uh, some things recently that are in sort of the, the sports arena, and I wanted to ask if you had heard about this, that there are now increasing number of people who are, I guess what I want to talk about was this tell-all book syndrome, because Jerome Bettis, who is a former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm a fan of theirs, said that he faked an injury to keep the Steelers from cutting him. He said this in his latest um, oh, tell-all book. But here's wow. the bizarre thing, okay? He faked a knee injury during training camp in 2000 so that the Pittsburgh Steelers wouldn't cut him and install this other guy as the starter. The thing is that he was already injured going into it. Like, he was already hurt going into that camp. And he said that it was basically sustained from the, from the year previous. So what he argued was that it basically was an injury created by the Steelers. It just wasn't created at that time. So as I understand it, he basically limped onto the field. He sort of pretended that he was fine. And then the first play happened, he's like, he goes down, he's like, oh, my knee, oh, I and then they're like, wow, that looks like there's serious knee damage here. How did this go? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, you did it to me. You can't cut me down. No, we would never cut you in this situation. Except that this had been from like the year previous. Like I that. just find this and really odd that you would you don't want to be cut so you get an injury. I don't understand. Because it's much less yeah, light, especially if you can kind of blame them. It's like much less likely that this was going to happen. So He's like a reverse Carl Pavano. He like gets injured so that he can play more. Yeah, I don't he get it. He gets injured so he can stay on the team. It's amazing. He, like, works hard. He doesn't report actual injuries. And then the only time he gets injured is to ensure later playing time as a starter. He is the opposite man of Carl Pavano. 
Yes, he's the opposite guy. Well, he said at the time, he was yes. like, he said Bettis' recollection may be more anecdotal than fact-based because he said that um, his knee injury that he's talking about, an MRI revealed this knee injury, and they said, don't you think these guys would have known this in this test? Like, gee, Jerome, this injury looks as if it's several months old. No, oh, this injury was so bad, it like created two months of decay in my knee the minute it happened. You can't cut me. You need to keep me on the team forever because and this is your fault and that this all happened. Are you telling me that yeah. we can now carbon date athletic? injuries hey man they can do pretty much absolutely they can they can do things because they can look at it and go you know this injury just happened or the but apparently this was a significant injury that had occurred and yeah that's that's what he said so so i don't know you know there's no honesty in sports and i think that given what we've learned about the michael vick situation and everything else that uh, that that's happened hey i want to ask what is your uh what's your take russ uh, or or clear on the on the whole thing with michael vick i mean as people may know michael vick has now been going to plead guilty and it's going to cause some jail time and it's going to destroy his football career and so on and so forth. But what I wanted to ask was the reaction that some players, some football and other sport players have had to this. For example, Stefan Marbury from Russ's beloved Knicks who said, it's a tough situation because as far as I know, dogfighting is kind of like a sport. It's just done behind closed doors. Nice. Yeah. So I thought I'd ask what you guys thought about um, not only Michael Vick being suspended, but about um, people saying that dogfighting is a sport Well, I mean, and being serious. Oh, again. Meaning it. People are stupid. Haven't we heard lots of stupid comments from lots of, lots of people, let alone lots of but players? You know, don't the public relations handlers now... I, I thought the point is that these handlers know so much about how things are going to play in the media that they're all over these people, not to be honest. Who is allowing this to happen? Like, Isn't there some public relations guy who, like, as Marbury is saying the words, I think it's unfortunate because, honestly, dogfighting is a sport. Isn't he, like, kicking the mic out of his hand and then, like, oh, sorry, uh, I feel really bad that that happened. Let's well, go, Stefan. Where do these interviews happen? Are they always in a press conference? No, sometimes they're just at different, like, charity events and things yeah, like that. I mean, they can't, like, walk around with every single one of them. Although they could do, it sounds like something more Russ could, would say, but they could do, like, a stupidity test or one of those, um, what's his, what, what was that? I'm all about stupidity tests. What, what was, what was <laughs> the, uh... IQ, failing an IQ test, like, la- means you're no longer allowed to do things that right. ordinary people can do. Yeah, yeah the yeah, IQ spot check. You can't cross yeah. the street they anymore. C- right, so they should have everyone do a stupidity like, test. Really? Or they could make, like, a, a um... <laughs> What's his face? That actor that we uh, that had the anti-Semitic thing. Turn it, Mel, turn Mel Gibson. It. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. The uh, the, they um, have a Mel the CPT compulsory pejorative title. Right. That's why I was saying it's mm-hmm. kind of something that you probably would said because you came up with that idea. So then they they then they'll grade them That's on all. a range, and then the people that are in the high risk category, they make sure that there are people you know in media relations that are with them at all times. And they can kind of they could create a treatment plan, you know, saying, well, we'll do this for the next three months. Your goal is to become less stupid and more aware over the next three months mm-hmm. so that we can decrease this person walking around with you. Mm-hmm. I think that makes some sense. It's sort of a gradual training program. It's right. like a 10-step ten step program, you know. I, but see, my thing about it is, I just, I just, I, I guess, I guess it's true that athletes just continue to be tone deaf, I guess, and public figures continue to be tone deaf to how stupid they sound. But how can you go through what everyone has just gone through and then be like, yeah, you know, dogfighting, really. It's sport. It's like, uh, it's like uh, tennis or, ba- you know, baseball. It's just it's like, like dog racing. It's like racing, but where they Except kill each other, and then when you electrocute racing. them if they don't succeed. Yeah. That's, that's all. It's the same. It's the same thing. Like, I mean, what? what? Okay. You know what, though? There's been so much 
such unbelievable amounts of outrage over this that the contrarian in me really feels <laughs> like it can't be as bad as everyone thinks it is. Just because once there's so much outrage, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's the Holocaust of dogs in the football player's house. Like, then I'm, I become inclined to, like, actually reject the whole thing. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to play devil's advocate for the remainder of this conversation. Oh, no. <laughs> and defend everything that Michael Vick did. No, do not defend <laughs> Michael Vick. We need you to, like, you'd be obviously a candidate for Clay's pro- for plan. Have you actually read any of the things that he did, though? It's bad. I've read about it. I'm aware of what, what happened. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> make a few arguments. I just, I just, I don't even, I don't even know like, me, what, what's the argument I have to make. <laughs> Killing dogs is bad, Russ. <laughs> let me set the table here. Okay, so first of all, you have to understand that this is a completely different subculture that in which this activity exists. This is not, you know, some people think it's okay to go sport hunting and to like shoot deers in the in non-vital organs and watch them like suffer to death or it doesn't make that I mean, right not everybody. either no it doesn't but the level of outrage would not be any there would be no basis of comparison between the level of outrage over sport hunting and over dog fighting and the reason is that americans love the hell out of dogs and maybe they should maybe dogs are worthy to be loved more than any other animal but i don't think you can make a moral equivalency to say that dogs are just that much more valuable than any other animal and therefore dog torturing is the worst thing ever and other animal torturing is sort of okay well no See, it's like thing, torturing is period is just, not good yeah i mean i think that was the thing is that i w- i was not really you know it was disappointing but once i heard that there was the torturing going on that was a kind of where he mm-hmm. lost me and i again i i, I do think it's blown out of proportion but you know that's the media everyone likes to create lots of hype but that's the where it differentiates from the sport of um, what some people would say the of sport oh. of hunting, um, <laughs> where they they go out and they the shoot them. It's not like they catch them mm-hmm. and then let's let's electrocute them and hang them, you know, hang them from a tree. Right, that's a different sport. Not to mention that's called the biathlon. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? That was an Olympic sport in the Winter Olympics. <laughs> the biathlon. If you, you, you hide out in a tree and then you capture a bunny and you electrocute it until it turns inside out right, and, then and then you then let you, it go. And then you ski down the rest of the it's very mountain. Obscure. <laughs> Winter yeah, then you ski back home. <laughs> Look at the skill with which he electrocuted the bunny. It was really <laughs> quality. You are I used correct, to play sir. that on my Commodore 64 <laughs> on Epic's Winter Games. <laughs> the torturing bunnies in 8-bit graphics. It yes, was awesome. absolutely. But I mean... Yeah. I, no, I think... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I just... I, it, it's... it's uh, One of the things that troubles me about, about the whole business is the fact that it wasn't even just the pit bulls that they got, which was bad enough. I mean, they also went around and got, like, neighborhood dogs that they just found as fodder for the... I mean, it was just... Everything you see, like, it gets yeah. worse and worse. And then you have these people who are well, like, well, need, like, it's a really... Team. It's a <laughs> A scout team for the fighting dogs. Like you need a walk-on. You need some walk-ons, and then you have some scholarship dogs. Right, right, right. And you have to, you know, play them against each other. Scholarship dogs. You don't know how well ranked your dog is. So there's an equivalent. Look, it's like it's like boxing, right? If you have like some super amazing middleweight guy that you're training, you're Mm -hmm. not going to send him into the first fight with like Marvin Hagler. You're going to set him up with like some stooge who has you know has like a lazy eye and can't move one arm, so that he builds up his record and he starts looking really impressive. And then when he he doesn't perform, do you throw his? I think dog fighting would be similar. Do you throw his head against the wall if he doesn't perform until he dies? Just want to make sure I'm clear. Or do you electrocute him? If there wasn't so much public scrutiny, (laughs) if there wasn't like. 
<laughs> Maybe you would. Today, Joe Tomato Can was killed, but he couldn't perform by being thrown repeatedly into a wall. Joe oh, that's Tomato good. Can? Well, yeah. Look, that's the, t- the Tomato Can is remember. the term for a, a terrible boxer who gets just thrown in against a guy. Now, wow. Okay. Boxing has had like 150 years to evolve into the civilized civilization yeah. that it is Which today. Which it clearly is. Sure, sure. Like, dog fighting, it still isn't, maybe it's an inception, or maybe it doesn't have as long a tradition. And so, boxing originally was like bare-knuckle fighters who would go for 175 rounds until somebody had no face. No, my friend. And then the referee would blow the whistle as soon as someone stopped having a face for being, <laughs> you know, inverted. Do you have a face? Beating. I can't see. And, like, oh, he's got a nose. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> no, I mean, like, exactly. but no, it's not true though because dog fighting is actually something which has gone on even since you know the renaissance times where they were some of these dogs were specifically okay. bred for dog so fighting it in that case evolves more slowly than boxing because it <laughs> involves a lower level of life form than humans and so mm-hmm. so, so it evolves slowly that's i think that's proportionate i see in a thousand years dogs will have like rubber edges on the teeth they'll put like a little mouth guard so the mm-hmm. dog can bite each other but they can't really pierce the skin right that's what will happen so this will be like the so the cock fighting thing we talked about many episodes ago where the guy wanted to put boxing oh, gloves yeah. on the cock fight yeah and then yeah. and then there, there wouldn't be any real injuries because they True. just have boxing gloves that's uh so fine so work. we always come up with the same ideas so <laughs> <laughs> yay but i mean like i i, I just we did it again okay first of all mm-hmm. i mean obviously the whole idea is repulsive and yeah so blah but beyond blah. beyond that i just i, I want to get back to sort of why people Greg, would even if you didn't hamburger. think it was repulsive you you like oh it always like comes your, back uh, to Greg the, hamburger. the hamburger and did I electrocute or helper. ram you the head of the creature against cooked. the wall to get my Salisbury steak? Answer no. No, you just enjoyed the proceeds of the previous animal torturing before it got killed to make your Salisbury steak. What? No, they, were, no, they weren't tor- No, the whole point is they're not tortured. That's the difference. Sure they are. Have you ever seen a slaughterhouse? Like... It's not, I mean, most of the time it's painless, but sometimes the hammer slips and it hits him on, like, the jaw. And, oh, look, the, the cow's jaw is on the ground. Well, that's why I always buy organic, was, torture-free you know, Salisbury pain. steak. I only buy torture-free uh, Salisbury steak. In fact, I, no. I only buy Salisbury steak that is uh-huh. chosen to kill itself because it was in pain. I, I buy the euthanized steak. And, you know... Maybe before it was on the conveyor belt, it was in a cage for like a year because they wanted it to be a certain level of fat or leanness, or no, maybe he it was veal. Eat, he or maybe veal. I, I don't. I don't eat veal. I, I only buy Mercy Kill. Actually, the brand is called Mercy Kill Steak. So that's all I. I really okay. stay to that only. So the next question is. While Greg has made this distinction, should we argue that everyone should be as outraged at veal as they are at dog fighting because they really should? Shouldn't they? I agree. And the Shouldn't next person we want I find, everyone who makes veal to be like kicked out of whatever they do, their job, and go straight to prison. But see, again, though, un- unless unless and until these people are by themselves holding a thing called bad news veal, and then they have all these got these creatures like you know <laughs> fighting each other, and then they take the the losers, pound them against the wall, and then eat the remainder, then I don't think we're. See, the problem is, Russ, you keep like coming up with argu- things that just aren't as bad as what happened here. You're like, well, if people eat this, I'm like, okay, okay. did they pound? Did they drowned okay, the creature did they drown him and then once he was drowned like you know hang him by his neck you know did they did they waterboard a dog did they do that if they waterboarded okay, the veal which brings me <laughs> then I very guess we're clearly to Guantanamo Bay why don't Americans care as much about Guantanamo <laughs> well, Bay as they do uh, about dog fighting that very well Please said tell me why I agree with that although I would point out that if we found Please. anyone who was responsible for being a Guantanamo Bay interrogator I would not want him in the NFL either if like it came out that Peyton Manning 
like in his off season, uh-huh. actually like doubles as a Guantanamo Bay interrogator. He's like, now listen to me. You're going to answer my question or I'm going to waterboard you here. And then if he did that, then again, I would have no problem in having him removed from the NFL. That would be just fine. There are just too many examples of inhuman behavior that are readily available for people to learn about and they just don't care as much as they care about dogs being tortured and i think that's weird but how are you how are you defining people caring though yeah exactly because look jason kidd beats the crap out of his wife like on numerous occasions and yeah there's some outrage people like oh that guy is no good there's more than some outrage he's gonna go play for phoenix now He's going to play, he's going to go to New Jersey. Okay, he's in New Jersey. We forgive and forget. He said he was sorry. But, like, he's in the league. He didn't go to jail. He didn't get suspended indefinitely. And he beat a human being. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, though. There was a whole. But dogs, and he's, like, permanently out of the league. But there was a whole. No, 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 no. First of all, there was a whole legal process involved in that. And the difference is that Vic pled guilty. And he also lied about it. All the stuff that you're coming up with but isn't Frank, the same deal here. You're like, because like, people society, talk about this with people like... The witch hunt yeah. matters. The witch hunt matters as much as the legal charges do. Because if everyone was like dogfighting, if people thought the same thing about dogfighting as they did about like going after gangsters for tax evasion, then they'd be like, yeah, but everybody dogfights, it's fine. And then what? maybe, you know, the league wouldn't be ready to kick him out of the league, and it would be more of a slap on the what wrist. What gangster is playing in the NFL? That drove this investigation. I don't understand what gangster is tax evasion the the public outcry drives the punishment like if there's no public outcry you're not going to see the same punishment as you're seeing what's happening of course and and this is all based on the public perception but the public outcry in this case comes from the incredible brutality of the situation that happened it's like it went like for example ray caruth a wide receiver who went after and killed his pregnant wife or his pregnant girlfriend you know and 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 like had her executed basically that man was thrown in jail he will be in there for the next 30 years to life and he obviously his NFL career is completely over it's not like they're like well you know you you were guilty of this crime but really you know we forgive and forget in the society like there was just as much public outcry and he was thrown in jail for it come up this is what you have to come up with to have some kind of equivalent reaction to what's going on you mean torture and killing yeah torture and killing yes yes (laughs) but it's a dog it's not a human being or a baby or both Russ, it's a dog. It's nine dogs, first of all, or seven dogs. It's a lot of dogs. It's a hundred million cows every year, and Tyson Chicken is not. Tyson under Chicken any does not electrocute brown. <laughs> Tyson Chicken does not find innocent wandering chickens, throw them against the wall, and then like eat them because they, you know, they didn't perform. Yes, I mean, they this, do. They do not. The, they do. <laughs> They do all of that stuff. All right, well, you all find the, the facts. You, you find the facts, it, and I'll, I'll be outraged. I'll help you create the outrage. I'll be ready to be outraged. <laughs> Let my chicken uh, go. Yeah. Okay, a couple other things about this. First of all, everyone's like, why is everyone saying it's a race thing? He just is a horrible person. Why? And I'm like, it is a race thing. And the reason is... Every, as soon as Michael Vick became, like, not the darling of the press anymore, when he started, you know, getting caught for having, like, marijuana resin in a, in a water bottle in an airport, which nobody ever proved was anything, this caused him to be on the bad side of the public. And also, the what he flipped off his fans, in, in fairness, but, you know. Wanted, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and so fine, that too. And so then, you know, the <laughs> that's also a race thing in Georgia. That's also a race thing. No, oh, fine. but it made them want to go after him. Okay. And so they discovered all of these 
abused dogs on his property when they were investigating his compound for drugs. Like, they were there looking for marijuana because they were convinced they could get him on drug charges. And they're like, oh, look, we get to get him on dog fighting charges. So the point here is that, like, yes, you know what? If you go after every professional athlete and you investigate and you turn up and open all the drawers in their house, you are going to find some horrible you're shit. You're going to find a you're bad news kennel. You're going to find evidence of hookers and you're going to find evidence <laughs> of... You know, horrible things and abuse and illegal activity and cocaine I, I don't, and drugs but, and but, money laundering but and no, like all though. kinds of horrible shit. But really not. Like when they yes. do the, no because they he do will. no because they do these searches and they find what they when they find them they punish them. I don't understand your logic here. They 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 find but they don't search everybody. It takes a level of scrutiny. Everybody's to start got one of these a bad searches. news so kennel that he runs and makes T-shirts for out of his own backyard and bets twenty thousand dollars on and single-handedly executes dogs by himself. Everyone's got something like that, right? Is that the argument you're making here? Everyone's got something like that. I mean, you're the one who quoted Stephen Marbury, who didn't think it was a big deal because obviously he's been to dog fights before and he thinks it's fun. Well, so, if they like, investigate yes, Stephen Marbury and find out that he had a dog fighting ring, then I would say you know go after do- you know Marbury also. They should certainly go after him for being. A lousy player. But the point is, but the point is <laughs> this is not a Michael Vick thing. This is an every poorly educated, irresponsible, way too rich athlete thing. It's like they don't know how to live normal lives mm-hmm. because they've gone from being incredibly poor and oppressed to being unbelievably powerful and admired and wealthy. And it, you just can't be a normal. Oh, person I totally agree with transition. that. But that's not racially based. That's that's based on economics. Well, yes. I mean, poor white it's people get to race. Look at Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher yes. got in trouble for lots of things. He's, you know, gotten in trouble because he had this, you know, this kid with this da- exotic dancer, and then she accused him of this, that, and the other. I mean, you know, Urlacher, same kind of situation. Well, I, think, I think the better argument about being a race is that culturally, yes, the in African American cultural environments, especially in the inner cities, dogfighting is a huge thing that with gives with you street African Americans and Hispanics. Right. So yes, I mean, not usually in Caucasian. Communities. Well, but that's because Caucasian communities are not usually in the same because they tend not to be urban white poor communities. They'll they'll be the, you know the white poor communities tend to be rural communities, and that's where something you know dogfighting is not as big a deal. Well, Although I would point out yes, that it still yes, happens so. and it still goes on in those situations. But to me, the issue has to do with poverty and the cultural conditions of poverty. You know, the kid I, we've had this happen. You know, we walked our dog Lilo around when we were living in Brooklyn. We had these two kids come up to us and like, oh, are you gonna fight her? And they were serious. You know. It gives you get the sense of it gives you street cred. I'm serious. <laughs> that that you know? story has changed uh, so much. It has. Last Two kids. Me. They said, "Are you going to fight her?" They did not ask you a white guy who looked like yes, they he did. Was Racing back to his home. No, no, no. We were, t- honey. His dog. This was during the weekend. Yeah, I mean, you were with me, and it was in the middle of the day. I was not racing back to you my home. I have ten bucks on Greg. You gonna now fight her? You gonna fight her? You gonna fight the dog? No, I think I remember them asking her if she was a fighter, not if we are going to. Well, okay, fine. So then they said, "She a fighter?" I mean, like, I apologize for the logic. Yeah, is she a fighter? In between tea and dinner, I love how Clea somehow makes us into we are wearing cardigan and running back to like the Upper West Side while these kids are like alright then going slouching back to the ghetto right where we were that's probably what we looked like to oh, them that's what I'm saying we were wearing t-shirts and jeans responsible young <laughs> no we don't participate in dog fighting tan me my pipe I, I mean, need sure, a good smoke to good make me feel better a clan rally, but we don't do any of this inner city 
cockfighting, dogfighting. That's for the ruffians. What I love, so what I love about it is listening to all people in the privacy of our own home. The one thing that after, I do think is after funny. Much drugs and rape. Exactly. That's right. That's right. No, what I do think is funny is listening to the um, just listening to the white sports guys talk about this and just like I'm just totally stunned. Have you ever heard like Mike Francesa was doing this? He was talking to everyone in the. Have you ever heard of this yeah. dogfighting? Have you ever heard? I'm like, yes, Mike. I'm sure that the first thing that people did, the athletes went up to the man making 1.5 million dollars a year, living out in rich community in Long Island and go, you know what we do? We like to dogfight, man. It's sweet. We like get all these dogs to get, like, I'm sure that was the first thing on their mind was to tell Mike Francesa, uh, you know, who's got his finger on the pulse of the young, poor black athlete, you know, originally poor black athlete about things. I mean, come on. I was also surprised about it. I mean, do we only know about it because of kind of where we lived? I mean, has it not been talked about? I know. Everybody was like, oh my God, this is stunning. I'm like, why is this stunning? Like, I I mean, that might be some of the hoopla, uh, Russ, is that Maybe there's, you know, it's another example of how ignorant a lot of people are. Well, do you know what I heard about that? One guy was saying that the NFL had to take a stand because the typical listener of the NFL, now get this, listen to what the rich white sportscaster said was the typical NFL fan. Is, you know, Joe from New Hampshire sitting by a nice fire with his cup of hot chocolate in a cardigan sweater with a lab by his feet. This guy doesn't want to hear anything about dogfighting. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Jesus. The typical fan is that? You've just described Joe from New Hampshire with yeah. hot chocolate, fireplace, he and lab by his side. That's the typical NFL would like fan. like to please arrest all the, all the black men in the NFL. That <laughs> exactly. Like a troublemaker. You can't Let's trust those him. people. Like, you know, I mean, actually, what is that? I actually think uh, that there's no one like that in, in the world. In New Hampshire. In New Hampshire? I don't think that person actually exists. No Someone Joe. in New Hampshire. With a hot chocolate. With a hot chocolate. Fireplace and a lab. A cardigan and a lab. I don't think that... No, I, don't, I, don't, I actually uh, don't... There's got to be at least a handful of those guys. I don't know. Maybe if he was old. I mean... Maybe an old, old guy. Oh. Like a cardigan? You still like the NFL if you're old. You'd just be rooting for Y.A. Tittle instead <laughs> of modern players. Can I make one more argument to defend the dogfighting thing? Sure, go, go right ahead. You I think your clo- make your closing argument. Yes. Okay, my closing argument comes from the movie Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Because you remember Conan, a poor slave child, a wayward slave mm-hmm. and he only earned his freedom by being thrown into the gladiator pit right. where he killed unnumbered amounts of contestants right. and then he was given his freedom mm-hmm. and just like all these dogs who you know may have just starved to death on the street somewhere right. or be put down in a kennel mm-hmm. because nobody wanted them mm-hmm. they get to live for their moment of glory right. and they get to be the conan the barbarian of dogs are you telling me that, that one of the dogs to turns to the side <laughs> of the pit and goes are you not entertained but does it in like a dog barking voice is that is that actually Actually, what you think happens here, and his name was like. I never said that in the movie. Yeah, he does. That was not in the movie. He yells, no, "Are he you not entertained? Are you not entertained?" That sounds like something at a best of the best <laughs> when like Wayne Newton was like the host Wayne of the Newton? Gladiator Pit and like. Eric Roberts what? like comes in and then uh, Jimmy Lee or doesn't want to fight and then he like kills the guy too quickly and the crowd doesn't like it and he's like, the Colosseum is closed and that's the end of the movie. Okay, well, this is but my thing. I, don't know why we're I, about I that. think they said that they picked <laughs> up dogs off the street in the neighborhood. So I don't think where yeah. Michael Vick's mansion They're was like that they have too many strays. Dog catcher group. I think probably they were dealing with people's own dogs from their houses. Oh, they were stealing dogs? Aren't there enough, like, stray dogs? Not in, like, a really nice neighborhood. Like? Unless they were going into the ghetto, getting strays Luck. off the street, and in then... The ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> what is worse? To starve to death, dying in a dumpster, 
or to fight for glory with one last passionate bite. Did you say one last passionate die. bite? What's one last passionate bite. One last fun, loving, amazing, brutal, vicious killing of another dog. Like, which is better? Which is worse? Um, Conan, <laughs> what is best in life? Sorry. I, I didn't know that that was a cue. Go ahead. Do that again. I'm all set. Conan, <laughs> what is best in life? To crush your enemies, to drive them before you, and to hear the lamentations of the women. Good. <laughs> that, that is good. <laughs> greatest moment ever but i don't think that doing oh that I, I can totally see someone though like disney being like hey all we need to do is do a movie of like the dog fighting right and they're like kid i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it but i know that you and rex here you can make a life for yourself you know and all this kind of oh stuff dramatic my god greg this is the greatest idea <laughs> i've ever heard of we you know what we need to do we need to make a remake of the movie over the top and we'll have Sylvester Stallone be the voiceover of, like, the main dog. But it'll be about dog fighting. Instead of arm wrestling, it'll be about dog fighting. Nice. But it'll be the same exact story. It'll be like the kid dog finds his father. They didn't get along. And then they become friends as he shows him the world of dog fighting mm -hmm. where he's, like, an old veteran. And, like, he works his way up through the ranks. And there's this one gigantic, like, Great Dane that everyone's scared of. And at the end, <laughs> right. he, like, kills him. And they play Why do all of your ideas come out like, like a Nintendo truck. game? Why do they all sound like Kung Fu, the game, where you must challenge and defeat every boss and then like the bot every idea of yours that's what 80s movies are like yeah well i guess that's true. those are all 80s movies before they were nintendo games right, exactly <laughs> defeat the mini boss wow i think uh and i can totally see disney being into that you're the best <laughs> no one ever gonna let you down you're the best you're the best no fleas on his coat of mine sweep the legs Sensei? Be tough when the other day, Sweep the when legs. The tries to bite you. <laughs> and you're gonna have to be use your jaw, or else they would electrocute you. Waterboarding, <laughs> not so bad if you've seen a bite on the eye. You're the best, pit bull. <laughs> Wait, what's a dog? You're the best, pit bull. That's should be. What dog sounds like a round? Clearly there's a dog that has a name like <laughs> Hound. You're the best, pit hound. <laughs> No one's pit hound? Ever bring you down. <laughs> yeah, he's a pit hound. He's a hound of the dog fighting pit. <laughs> that's uh that's pretty dramatic. You could have all these great moments like the, the sweep the legs. We've got the song. Sensei? You got a problem with you that? Just need to write a few pages. No sensei, and then you sweep we'll all three it. legs. A few million. Yes, absolutely. That's what yeah. they do. The dogs only have three legs. Sweep <laughs> sweep all four legs at once. <laughs> like how did the dog do the crane technique? It's just like, you know, if do right, no can defense. Technique ever. <laughs> it's like, take out his legs. But that's all he is. All he's got is that's legs. That's all he can has. Take out his head. It's not easier. <laughs> no, sweep all of the legs now. You know, one of the things that surprised me, actually, and I, I've always, this always, I found odd. I don't know if we've talked about this in the MEP report. If we have, everyone will have to just go with me on this. In Karate Kid, I guess it was, I guess it was two, where he goes to Okinawa, right? Mm -hmm. Uh there's that one yes. movie has, which is supposed to be represented by that drum. You remember that thing with the whole drum thing? What yes. the hell is he doing? Yes. Every time I look at that camera angle, it looks like the guy is just starting to punch him, and then like he waves his fist randomly, and then all of a sudden the guy's face is pounded in and it's bloody. I don't understand. Like it's like, and it's yes. like you've learned to do it by not doing whatever by acting strangely. You've successfully defeated him. Like, what is that move? I don't get it. Like it looks as if he's trying to punch him, but then he's just like, no, I'm not going to punch you using my 
thing that breaks the laws of physics. Not only are you not punching me, but now you've been hit. I yes. don't. What happened? I well, don't get it. Well, that movie actually released to the public, and it was a very dangerous thing that they did this, that they released the unbeatable combination of left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook. Because if you do that, you can beat up anybody, anytime, left anywhere, hook, right and nobody hook, can right stop hook. you. All they can do is run away. If you just do consecutive alternating hooks, you cannot be stopped in any fight. I mean, they barred it in like you know MMA, like mixed martial arts, and the uh, the IFC, the International Food Channel, or you know that thing, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Yes, the fighting <laughs> channel thing. thing. What? <laughs> Are you talking like Which UFC? Is not related to the World Bank. The Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yes, the UFC. <laughs> Thank the you. IMF. <laughs> They've Paul Wolfowitz is like, let's move. get it on, Economic power. <laughs> next, a low risk, high value loan <laughs> to Bolivia from <laughs> Wolfowitz. <laughs> yeah, that would be a Disney movie, totally. Okay, so so when they released this, Rock what happened? In the collateral corner, <laughs> it's it's a moldy bank. That's collateral. Yay. Moldy bank. Who will win? Yay. I don't know what that is. Nice. Uh, um, so, yeah. No, what it really is is that most combat movies are based on the techniques of stage combat, which are not real fighting techniques, which is why in every movie fight, somebody, like, grabs someone's arm and flips them. You know that move where you, like, grab the arm and you spin it and then they, like, flip upside down? That doesn't exist in real life. Nobody would ever do that. It's just a stage combat move, so it's, like, in every movie fight. Well, it's like, it looks cool. it's the Star Trek... It has nothing to do with fighting. You mean, like, the Star Trek move where the guy chops the back of his neck and instantaneously renders him unconscious but not permanently hurt? He just is exactly. like, blam! He's like, ow! Oh. Exactly. And it's always accompanied with... Yeah, you always have to have that to get the it's stun the working. Stunt. Yeah, there you go. The 60s stun. What I love is my favorite part of that, which I may have again talked about before, but where the guy starts by hitting you in the forearm, and then you're like, ow, you hit me in the forearm, so that somehow opens up my neck, and then you will chop my neck. And it has to be in sync with the so it's like, chop, chop, and then he falls to the ground over, and it automatically works. It's much more effective than a phaser or than anything like that. It just it's automatically points, works. Greg. It's pressure points? Pressure points. With chops? Mm -hmm. With karate chops? Right. Okay. Like the Vulcan neck pinch. Right. But much less, you know, much less elegant, I think. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's got to be rough and... Yeah, well, the Vulcans, the Vulcans are, are... More elegant. I mean, aren't they essentially elves, right? Yeah. Isn't this what Vulcans are? They're elves who tell the truth. Pretty much. Who aren't... They're not like trickery... Elves, elves in other worlds are like tricky elves and magical elves. Mm -hmm. Vulcan elves are just straight elves. Right. Boring elves. Right. They're boring elves. elves. Aren't they? Right. Vulcans are boring elves. They're heterosexual elves. They're heterosexual elves. That's exactly what they yeah. are. They're not in any way uh, confused about their sexuality. Right. That's basically what they, they are. Actually, they're like the straightest, most conservative elves in the absolutely. world. Absolutely. Well, they had an episode, too, where... Well, where I mean the galaxy in the galaxy. They had an episode where... Um, which right. was called um, Which was called a muck time, where Spock has to return to Vulcan um, because he has to have... The, because of this mate, he has to, like, meet his mate. It's, like, biologically driven. Mm -hmm. And they clearly did this because they're like, this man's too logical. We must show that Vulcans can kick lots of ass. And this is whole big combat where, like, Spock is kicking ass with these weapons and Kirk has to fight him and there's all this stuff. It's, it's all very dramatic. And clearly it was done to compensate for people being like, you know, he never... he 
he plays a harp and you know how seriously are we meant to take this guy you know he he acts very rationally he wants kindness towards all living things and bunny rabbits like come on don't we see something here and in the 60s you wouldn't come out and say it you just say wait a minute so then they had him like you know beat up people and use like weapons and all that stuff and all of a sudden it was very oh, dramatic I think I saw that episode yeah he uses that was like the episode where like Spock is in heat that's it yep. because it's like he just does all this weird shit yep. and he, why are you taking over the ship and sending it where we don't want it Spock he's like shut up I do what I want he's like who talks like exactly. that Spock what's wrong with you he's like shut up Shut up! I'll punch you. <laughs> I don't really this think he says "shut up." I'll punch you, but otherwise, it's wrong. He, with him. Shut in this episode, I do I they over they overdid like it to such a great Spock. extent that at one point they call him in the room. They're like, "Mr. Spock, you know, please go to the bridge." And he's so angry that he pounds his computer monitor into the desk. And they had it made so that it looked like it was like made out of like like paper. So he's pounding this metallic thing into the ground, and it's folding like paper. He's just like, "Leave me alone." <laughs> and it's not it's not breaking in half it's as if he had melted it with the heat of his fist as he was pounding it like it was just, it was just right. maybe, oh my god he was maybe heat, he right? lost it online poker right before <laughs> Turner C-56 <laughs> son of a bitch break the enterprise he was actually playing his harp Shit. so he was playing grunge music beforehand he's playing all this you know like I'll beat you on the dark side of the moon I hate you Hurt you! And then he started pounding the mute. Yeah, it was very disturbing. Very disturbing. Yeah, what yeah. if... Oh, here's another, here's another argument. What <laughs> if all dogs are Klingons? Then they would have to be fighting all the time, and that's where they would prefer to be. And it is a good day to die and an honorable death and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And they just don't... I mean, what if it's the biggest insult ever, like these people who put, like, ribbons and frou-frou mm -hmm. and sweaters on their dogs, and really all they want to do is just bite each other's heads right. off all the time? Maybe that's what dogs are like. We don't really yeah. know. Two, we can't ask. Two them. problems with this argument. One I think is is more compelling than the other. The <laughs> first problem with the argument is that you would think the dogs <laughs> would find their way to the places where fighting was happening then, instead of desperately trying to run away from it, which is what these dogs do. How would do. they do that? They don't. They're not. Or they don't have internet indoors. access. So you're telling me they're Klingons, but they don't have <laughs> internet access? This is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, he's saying they're like Klingons. <laughs> no, he's saying they are Klingons, which is my second problem. They don't oh, have the. Forehead? Do they have a ridged oh, forehead? God, no. Do, do they bark and like? Dogs have it. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, um, I don't know if we've mentioned, that, told you this before, but Lilo does have extra. She's she's half bull terrier, and I think it's from that side that she's got mm -hmm. extra skin. Half bull terrier, you said. Yeah. Uh, around her neck, you, it's not like visible, but if you kind of pull on her, the skin on her neck, you'll see that she has a lot of extra um, skin. Oh my god, you guys pull on the neck of your dog, <laughs> arrest you, throw you away from your jobs. <laughs> Horrible people. Yeah. And when you're petting I'm her outraged. and stuff like when you're petting her and stuff like that, you see it. It is a good and day to die. I like I think that that's back from like what if she gets into fights or if she gets caught by another animal or something like that, they would catch this extra skin and not really get anything that really matters. Right. Mm. And that's, it's all, oh, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like a decoy, you know, it's like, haha, you think you caught my skin, but I don't need that skin. Now you I will attack you. You think you caught my neck, my jugular, but really you just caught this extra flap of skin here. Haha, <laughs> you fools. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. The fighting flap. Right. <laughs> that's why she was bred to fight. He's a fighter. They're all Klingons or, you know, whatever. They believe in the same philosophy really is all that matters. Okay. They are warlike, a warlike species. So you're saying that they... And that's why... Look, okay, Greg, look. <laughs> let me put it this way. If
if dogs weren't a warlike species, why would there be dog fighting and not like dog, you know, shows where you like prance around and show them off and comb them? Like, wouldn't there, wouldn't there have to be these other things right. and not just dog fighting? Because clearly they're so warlike. Right. Yeah. Uh, sure, there's no dog shows, Greg. <laughs> no such thing. I just made that yeah. up. Because that's such a silly yeah. idea. Why would anyone do yeah. that? Because dogs don't like that. Can you that. imagine the guy at the Westminster's dog show being <laughs> like, you know, the same guy? And here we have a lovely animal being placed in. You can notice his sire. He's, uh, his original sire was um, John the Meat Killer and um, Francine the Bloody Stump. And uh, here they are. And now we see these two wonderful dogs and now they're tearing each other's heads off. One's eyeball is hanging out of its socket and the other, yeah, they're now, one's now dead. Now that's, that's, that's good. And you can see how Best happy the crowd show. is. Best in show. <laughs> exactly. Blue ribbon. Blue ribbon for this dog. And once again, the Great Dane wins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. My point is a little bit beyond the pale. And I'm just surprised, not only that he was doing... I'm not surprised that he was doing it. I'm surprised that other people want to defend, you know, the fact that he was doing it. I'm not surprised that Russ wants to defend him because Russ was having fun and playing devil's advocate. But there are people like Stefan Marbury who were just sitting at a charity function and are like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to defend... And Michael Vick. You know, again, this going back to Russ's initial argument of culture, there probably are people that don't necessarily that really do think this is this is a, a sport, and may even not realize that it's illegal. Oh, part of the sport, by the way, is a belief that they have to purify the bloodlines of these dogs, which is why, in their minds, it's totally okay. No, seriously, like they do believe this. Like it, it's totally okay to kill off dogs right. that don't win because you want only the, best. the superior dogs to be the ones surviving and breeding. Oh, yeah, I mean, from a, from the perspective and of so, Dr. Mengele, it makes logical sense. Mengele wasn't, you know, I mean, <laughs> like eugenics made perfect sense. You know, yeah. it was very logical. It was just unethical and inhumane to okay, and most right. immoral thing in the world. But Except very logical except that eugenics for dogs is widespread beyond the realm of dog fighting like breeders like everybody that makes money off of breeding dogs they also believe in eugenics and purifying whatever breed the dog is so that they're also not all dr mengelas and meanwhile of course lilo is lying here in the bed like ah this is wonderful see this is why dogs are clearly well suited to be man's best friend because men will do this stuff and then make jokes about it and lilo's just like yeah whatever so is my food here if i if i had my food yet that'll be great She's if i could have my food all. Yep. yeah no i mean there there was this um, one article I saw, or was it a news ca- broadcast? It can't be news broadcast since I don't read, watch the news. A group of kids, um, I think in inner city Chicago, are trying to do a lot of uh, neighborhood advocacy around pit bulls and Rottweilers and trying to get people to see that they can be quite gentle and you don't have to fight them and that there's a, there's great aspects mm-hmm. to them. Yep. Part of that is because of another effect of dog fighting is cities wanting to ban these particular breeds. Which is incredibly stupid. Well, I don't know if it's incredibly stupid. It's, you know, it's reactionary. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> it's 80% th- it's it's the 85% thinking. IE. 85% thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I you know what? It's just we just overreact to everything and everything that we change and fix is always after the bad thing happens and doesn't like, "Oh no, they knocked down the bridge. Let's make sure all the bridges are okay." Oh wait, they attacked by train. Let's put more security on tra- Oh crap, they flew into a building. Okay, airport security. It's like can you ever plan for anything to happen ever before it happens? 
Can you anticipate anything? Human well, species? Well, I think at this point... Maybe you're the ones that should be fighting for your survival in a pit and not be able to make policy, because you stink at policy Well, you know, making. actually, um, a couple weeks ago, I took a, at a training. They had a lot of us in the office at New York City had to take this training on um, how to handle it if a, I guess, a hurricane strikes. Mm-hmm. And so they've, mm-hmm. New York City has created a whole plan for if a hurricane strikes and they have done research as to where will be the high risk zones where people have to evacuate from oddly it begins with pit fighting no one really figured out why this happened but first you yeah. see where do we move the alternative pit <laughs> where, fighting where, in case of a hurricane where do we put the dog stadium I mean, come all on. pit fighting will be held in the meadowlands if you can't do it in the basement of your home oh we can tailgate we there that'll be great <laughs> we have to keep the morale of the people high they need their dog fighting very nice well, is... Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so it has this whole training that we did. It was online, and they have it all planned as to, mm-hmm. where you know, the whole network of how you'd be contacted, where you would go, and even to the flow of where people would go when they would show up these shelters, how to move them through, address their needs, blah, blah, blah. So I am officially trained. But, of course, I'm in a safe zone up in Bronx, so we'll probably just go to Connecticut. If oh, yeah, happens. we'll be totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm trained. I also know all of the routes where people won't be when they're fleeing. Oddly, nobody goes on this route because we pretend it's crouch. flooded. Up, oh, escape time. Speaking of escape time, mm-hmm. it is that time for us to escape from this show because it is an hour, ladies and gentlemen. And once again, you've spent it listening to us. We hope that it was enjoyable and we hope that you will continue to. One thing we want to do, by the way, we just want to mention here is that we really want to get people involved in connecting with the show again. And we think it's very important that you guys do that. So please make sure that you continue to leave comments you can email us at any of the mep report lines there it is 206 600 mep one that's what it is 206 600 mep one uh please make sure that you email us and please make sure that you call us operators are standing let us know what you think about this idea of disney doing dogfighting movies you think this is a good thing for them what are you guys going to change the website so that i'm no longer part of the emu yeah let us know whether russ is you know the most heinous mep reporter you've ever heard or whether you you know do all that we'd appreciate that so we will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody okay real quick all i'm saying is the people (laughs) reacted like he had it's like what what did he do oh my god what did he do well he had a ring and he was sodomizing disabled people for money i'm like okay he totally should be banned from football i'm against sodomizing i'm against sodomizing disabled people said old people greg are you fine with action was appropriate okay old people that's a different story The proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid one in the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at mepreport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. It's just another day away.